0: this is the sinusna podcast
1: welcome to episode 128 of the sinusna podcast I'm Jared Kingery I'm Cody Viafania. Cody uh the NBA draft was this past week yeah how did you feel about uh, our beloved San Antonio Spurs draft picks
0: well I mean it was a it was a bit of a so I I don't really watch much college basketball but uh, me, me
1: either I'm totally clueless about it
0: yeah, but I'll I'll like before the draft I'll read rankings and um and I'll read like uh, uh like uh, mock drafts and stuff to see what obscure foreign player the Spurs are probably going to go for, <laughs> and um you know it, they they were true to form uh in uh, in taking some giant Croatian guy <laughs> with their with the nineteenth pick it was it was their highest pick in a while and they had two first rounders from the Kawhi Leonard trade uh which we will never discuss again, I hope. Um just for, <laughs> we you and I have had private conversations about this just being the worst case scenario and, and all of it. Um
1: Yeah, mostly referencing the uh Anthony Davis trade that basically got all the parts that we that the Spurs wanted from the Lakers for Kawhi and mm-hmm. instead it's going to the, the Pelicans anyway. With yeah. you who know, also have Zion Williams yeah,
0: so it's so with the <laughs> yeah. With with the Spurs it was like they there were a lot of like probably some NBA ready talent guys available that fell a little bit and I was when they were about to draft I'm like, man, they've got a couple options of some guys who are really highly rated and ranked and then they go off the board and take that Croatian guy which again, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a bad pick, but they had another pick 10 picks later where that guy probably still would have been available. <laughs> And I feel like they, they reached on that. And then they got a. I think they got a good talent with their second uh, first-round pick. But, again, they could have probably had a guy who could slot in immediately versus this guy who they say is not going to be a draft and stash. But, you know, it's he's not going to make immediate impact, I don't he's think. He's going to
1: be up here, you know, two miles away at the Austin Spurs. Yeah. Uh, spending, you know, maybe gets activated when there's an injury spot. I, I'm it's It does seem... Um, Like, maybe now's not the time for that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the the goal of this this team is anymore.
0: I agree with you in that sense, because the idea between getting DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi was that they wanted to keep the window open. And they're somewhere in between this weird limbo of keeping the window open and preparing for the future, and I don't know what side of it they're trying to fall on, because their draft makes it seem like they're trying to prepare for the future, but... The window, like the window, is closing rapidly because Lamarcus Aldridge is like what thirty four now, and
1: yeah, I mean, uh, DeRozan's good, but he's no Kawhi, and you know, Kawhi is all is has been redeemed in the eyes of everyone in the NBA, other than Spurs fans. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. It, it just feels like another onset of the '90s to me, where there was this sort of mediocrity that reigned. Not that not that these are bad players or it's a bad team, but just. Like, you're going to expect a first-round-and-out uh, playoff run, if that.
0: Well, the problem I, I had was if they truly want to keep the window open, then you trade those draft picks for an established player, like an established wing veteran player, and you build from there because the Spurs have, like, incredible depth in their guards, but then they've got nothing beyond that, it seems, in terms of depth. Like, <sighs> you know, I, I and, like, again... You're signing Rudy Gay to one and two year deals, a guy who, again, is in his 30s. Who, like again, (laughs) you're just you're just keeping that window open just a little bit, but not like surrounding Demar and Lamarcus and like with, with like good veteran wing players, which is why the Spurs struggled last year because they shot almost no three pointers after being a predominantly three point shooting team. Changed their identity, and when they got cold from mid range, that was it. They had no secondary scoring. That was they
1: were done for. I, I just we've talked about this several times, probably on this show too. I'm just just um, tired of of the NBA right now. Just the, the way these stars are moving around and building these super teams, and whatever the hell's going to happen in LA is really really shitty <laughs> as a as a fan of yeah. someone else in the Western Conference, but. You know, whatever. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm aged out of my NBA loving days. Maybe maybe this is the the new. I, I guess the new thing, not new thing, but maybe the current thing is to be like following stars as opposed to teams, which I don't ever think I'll understand. You know, I could never yeah, like be like, like, I, like being a LeBron fan. Yeah, I'm a LeBron fan. I'm a Kawhi fan. Like, I'm a te- I'm fan of a team because i have been for years i mean they just happen to have some of the best players in the game at the time but you know i can't imagine being like a you know an anthony davis fan and being like okay now i'm gonna root for the lakers
0: but you know what's weird is that tony tony parker because tony parker retired um oh yeah we didn't mention that yeah he retired which was the official like big three end of an era type move like it was like with Kawhi gone and then the big three all being retired that's like the end of the era and he had a quote that I think is actually kind of um, like relevant to how maybe Spurs fans or maybe you and I feel which is that the reason that he doesn't want to come back even though he feels like he can was because every year for 18 years or 17 years he went into a season thinking that they had a shot at the championship and with Charlotte Uh, He realized that he didn't feel that anymore. He -hmm. knew that they weren't going to win a championship. He knew that it was a development year. He knew, and like, I think that Spurs fans are kind of coming to that conclusion themselves for the first time in almost two decades that, like, this team is not going to compete for a title. And it's sort of like coming to terms with being okay with having a good season where you watch your team develop and grow and then you bounce after the first round. And it's a new feeling for Spurs fans who, for, again, almost 20 years, felt like they were in it.
1: Yeah, I I totally can see that. I I think that's probably, you know, the spoils of victory is that, you know, you can't really bitch and moan after five titles in whatever it was, 15 years. Uh, But it is, uh, as a fan, it's frustrating to watch the the kind of—I mean, at least there's not like a— you know, a, a precipitous drop like something like the Mavericks or the the Suns over the last 10 years or so have done. But I
0: just to... I just think we're in a rude awakening because, you know, you look into Robinson, you look into Duncan, you look into Kawhi. You know, it could be a while before we have like that that talent that comes through. Yeah, and it's scary.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not fun being a, a fan, especially when the guy who, you know, again, was the, the, the biggest quitter on your team last year is now the toast of the league uh, hoisting a championship trophy and a finals MVP trophy
0: yeah and in like, like proving that the guy's not a system player like he's a legit superstar
1: yeah yeah I mean it, not that you know not that we didn't know it but right yeah it's like we knew like, it but every, yeah. a
0: lot of people didn't know that
1: yeah like oh yeah no this guy is really fucking good and he just didn't want to play here anymore so yeah it, it hurts yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Okay, I think we've talked enough about basketball. What do you say we go ahead and move on to reviews? Let's do it.
0: Here are this week's reviews.
1: This week we've got Toy Story 4. Hi, Toys.
0: He did go to kindergarten I knew No, no, no You're no, trying guys, to get listen, Bonnie in l- trouble No,
1: of course not You could have been
0: confiscated
1: What does that mean? Taken away
0: <gasps> No Or worse, you could have been lost
1: No, 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 guys, listen Bonnie had a great day in class And we're going on a road trip Road trip? Vacation! Yeah! Yeah! But then something really weird happened Bonnie made a friend in class what Oh, she's already she making so friends like... No, no, she literally made a new friend Hey, it's okay Come on out, that's it Come on, there you go. Uh, Come on. Let's get you out of there. Uh, you got this. Uh, good, good. Everyone, I want you to meet Forky. Bob uh, look, look how long his arms are. Uh, you and I talked about this a lot in the lead up to this film, Cody, about it not being or wondering how necessary it was. Uh, maybe even more so. How if it had a reason to exist at all, right? Because of um, the fondness uh, we have for for Toy Story three and the way that wrapped up, uh, or seemingly wrapped up the story of these toys. Uh, but here we are at Toy Story four, and again, it's made a a ton of money at the box office. So, but underperforming by a lot of measures, though. Yeah, interestingly. Uh, that that is kind of. I think maybe. Um, you know, it's maybe the pr- franchise fatigue is finally catching up with it. Uh, anyway, what did you think of Toy Story Four?
0: Well, you know, I, I I watched all of the Toy Story movies this week uh, and and leading up to it. Uh, I know that we had talked about that. I don't. Did, did you get around to re-watching I, I did any not, of them?
1: I did not have a chance. No, I um, I have the the gist of all of them in my head, but I would I would lo- I need to rewatch them soon.
0: Yeah, I, and I feel like um. I I, honestly I which is interesting and we'll get to this at the end I think you and I have very similar rankings of of how we rank uh the Toy Story movies um and I think the thing that, that I came out uh of of watching all three of them in the same week uh prior to Toy Story 4 is that um I feel like there is a significant boost in quality from Toy Story to Toy Story 2 um where Toy Story is sort of um, sur- a bit surface level. Um, there's some interesting stuff when Buzz finally figures out he's a toy and has that moment. But but it really is kind of like it, – it really plays on the comedy of of Buzz not knowing he's a toy and Woody trying to talk sense into him. And then when you get into Toy Story 2 and 3, you get a lot of really deep, meaningful like meditations on existentialism and – and mattering, and 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 being, you know, being worthy of love, and and having someone, you know, not need you in, anymore, and like it gets really deep and, and really, like I said, existential, mm. and I think becomes very interesting uh, thematically, at least, and um and the thing that I noticed too was that Toy Story three was just a phenomenally made movie, and um and better than I remember it being even, yeah. Um, and uh and just a really great movie, like very funny like there's a lot of a good balance between silly stuff and um and uh and, and like really deep stuff i i mean and then like you know the the famous incinerator scene
1: just being like this god just, it's just, it's pitch black <laughs> as these toys are facing their certain death and and, and then accepting
0: hands. and link hands accept their death and you're just like jesus Christ like <laughs> I was watching that and I'm going, oh my god, this is just insane. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. the last scene too is just like heartbreaking and uh, and just so well done, like executed to perfection. Um,
1: I and- mean, there's some there's some great like passage of time um, uh, gags in there. I remember fondly the uh, the dog that was like the the. Um, Kind of the big change oh, of yeah, life yeah. for at the end of the first film is this. I mean, just goofily rendered old dog now. <laughs> yes, and it's a great gag. It's a great gag about growing up and, and growing older. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, Toy Story four for what it was back at the time was an amazing feat, and then to have it kind of that branding kind of infect all of Pixar. I don't want to say infect, but like kind of be the the thing that Pixar went to was this melancholy stuff that could hit adults right in the chest too
0: yeah and I think that might have started with two uh as well yeah. because two is very much about like uh woody accepting that there is there is life outside of his kid and um and maybe coming to terms with like there is a finite like there it because I think it's it, it deals with life in some ways being finite and uh and like the like you're not going to be around forever or your kid's not going to be around forever so you have to move on or be comfortable with being put in the attic or um or being put on a shelf in a museum or something like that because you know that your time is over your time is up
1: yeah i mean that uh the the stuff with jesse is um I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty damn sad.
0: Well, and I feel like Toy Story Two was the mark of, of, and maybe I'm misremembering, but the the mark of, like you said, Pixar going towards the melancholy. Um, you know, where you see it in like Wally and Up are super, especially Up. Um, to the opening sequence of oh, my God, like just like that. That oh, would not yeah. have been possible without you know laying yeah, the groundwork.
1: No. Uh, so let's see. Uh, yeah, I guess it probably did start. Yeah, I would say Toy Story Two definitely started it because there's only. Uh, B- A Bug's Life in between Toy Story and Toy Story 2 okay. and then, it, then uh, the next two films are Monsters Inc and Finding Nemo which lay on the melancholy pretty, pretty thick or the maybe the like the the parental relationships pretty thick
0: yeah yeah definitely so you know look I, I'm not gonna lie to you Um, the, 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 the criticism that I think is valid on Toy Story and one that I have and I'm kind of I guess somewhat okay with... You have to be okay with it, is that it's the same movie four times, basically. <laughs> yeah. More or less, it's the same movie. They're all rescue movies. They're all, uh, you know, about not leaving behind lost toys. And that's, at the core, what all of these movies are. And Toy Story 4 is no different. It's just kind of swapping out characters. Um, there's a few notable new characters. And, and, and really, you know, it's interesting because the whole the whole series up to this point feels like Woody, Buzz and the Gang. And this does not feel like that pairing. It feels like Woody, Bo Peep, uh, and then a couple of other toys, and then Buzz and the gang are sort of on the sidelines. And I think to the detriment of the movie a
1: little bit. Um Yeah Buzz is basically Buzz Lightyear is basically a third tier character.
0: He is. And I found that very interesting because Buzz is 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 like you said a third tier character that is one note. There's one joke behind Buzz the whole movie, which is the concept of his listening to his inner voice, which is his, um, like his speech buttons. Yeah, that it's he built has.
1: in. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a little bit regressive on the character of Buzz Lightyear.
0: It is, it, it is, because I think so much of the series has been about the relationship between Woody and Buzz and um, and the conflict that they may have. And then Buzz has, Buzz has an arc, right, where Buzz starts off as taking himself very seriously and not realizing a toy to slowly understanding that he is a toy and then, you know, growing those relationships. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I think it is very regressive, and I do think that the movie hurts as a result of, of that. I also feel like the movie hurts a little bit... Um, with bringing back Bo Peep in such a strong force of a character that's been gone for a while, um, and putting her at the center of attention, um, I, I get it. I understand the point of it, but I think it's so heavily Bo. It's like I mean, it really is Woody and Bo Peep's story, and I don't know that that progresses much. Yeah, in, in the I,
1: lore. I mean, uh, Bo Peep was kind of dismissed in the last movie. As one of the ones that had gone, you know, that it was one of the toys that had been taken away. And I didn't realize, maybe I'm not remembering the movies well, I didn't realize Bo Peep was part of a lamp. Uh, yeah, was, that, I, was that in the other films? I don't remember that at all.
0: She is. It's part of a lamp set because when she, when she goes away, someone buys the lamp.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying I didn't remember that
0: being in the original films. So. It's it's not a main focus at all because okay. Bo Peep's barely in the uh, the movies. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's
1: essentially Woody's love interest and I I can understand, uh, you know, putting her at the forefront of this. Um, I'm just not sure I quite like what the character is doing as much as the movie seems to love it. Yep. And then that's, that's
0: a great point. I think the movie really loves the idea of Bo Peep and what she represents. And, um, and, and I, and I don't know that I loved it as much as the movie does. Now I will say that there is a great new character, um, well, there's a few of them, but there's the the one that stands out the most is Forky, right? Uh,
1: the the one, the one that's you you see seen in all the trailers. He's the one that, that Bonnie, the kid that has the toys now, makes at a class in class.
0: Yeah, and it's voiced by Tony Hale, who does a great job, I think, um, uh, in the voice cast. And um, and you know the idea behind Forky is that Forky believes that he is trash, <laughs> and. Yes. Uh, and so he's comfortable in the trash. He's not sure why he's being brought to life um, as a toy, and his relationship with Buzz grows over. I'm sorry, with Woody grows over time, where you know he he realizes you know that um, that he's loved by Bonnie and and all, of, and that's important to him. And and I and I really like the arc of, of like again. I think if it was like. Woody the, the the arc of Woody trying to rescue and wrangle Forky is very funny and mm-hmm. I think that it leads to some of the best laughs of of the of the, of the movie there's a sequence where Forky is constantly just trying to dive into the trash and Woody has to kind of rescue him over and over and over again and I think that that's a joke that that early on in the movie is is pretty good um as as going back to the well
1: yeah, uh, the I think the movie kind of suffers in the second act where it basically separates Forky and Buzz for, I guess most of the runtime. Now mm-hmm. that I think about it, uh, th- there's there's uh, um, you know the 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 toys that you're used to, like we said, B- Buzz Lightyear is uh, is like the the most prominent character of the ones that are already existent, and he has very little to do. Meanwhile, liter- <laughs> literally. Uh, uh, like uh, Jesse, the Potato Head, the Rex, everyone else is like stuffed into the backseat of an RV for most of the movie.
0: Yeah, they don't really have but like four or five lines each. It's, it's like I said, it's very, very weird, especially after building up all of those characters. Like you forget, and I realized this once I watched the three movies, like how big of a character like Ham is in, mm-hmm. in the first few movies. And he's got like three lines in this movie.
1: Yeah, I look. I don't know that it's uh, necessarily a big spoiler to say that this is kind of more of an epilogue for Woody than it is for anything else, mm-hmm. but it really does uh, kind of short give the short shrift to the, the characters we've come to love. Not that Forky isn't great, uh, not that the uh, the Ducky and Bunny, played by Key and Peele, mm-hmm. uh, th- fucking hilarious uh sequence in the middle of the film with the two of those characters. Yes. Feels a little uh dreamworksy though to me.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that actually. It does it's uh it's very um it was very uh I I don't know the word to describe it, it's on the nose for sure. But um yeah, it's uh, it's it, it, like these movies don't usually do that kind of thing. Like it, it like I don't think it's spoiling anything to say that it's got some like imagined scenarios that happen. And Pixar, to my recollection, has never really done that, especially the Toy Story movies
1: have never yeah, done it anything f- like that. Feels like I said, it feels a little like it was a Pixar thing. I'm I mean, not a Pixar thing, a, Dr- a DreamWorks thing. Not that that's necessarily bad, just that it's it feels a little out of place. It's I, 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 again, it's funny as hell. And the theater lost its mind when it when it happened, but it, it feels a little um, out of place. And then uh, so and then the other new character we spend a lot of time is with is Gabby Gabby, who's essentially the villain, and it's a, uh, a, a vintage pull string doll, voiced by Christina Hendricks, and her she's basically locked in an antique store and looking for a child to love her, and uh, I don't know, I, I just feel like it's. I didn't really like her arc either. I
0: didn't either. I, I think it's it's probably the thing that doesn't work the most in the movie. In the and unfortunately, something they spend a really like large amount of the screen time devoted to.
1: Yeah, I I don't want to I don't want to spoil it because it's like um you know it kind of explains the plot, but uh, you know by the time it's all wrapped up, you're like oh it was everything was fine all along.
0: Yeah. I yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. I it, look. I mean. I feel like we're saying a lot of negative stuff about the movie. And I think that's maybe a testament to how good the others are that we're like like this is the first one where I see legitimate cracks um in the formula a little bit, um because it's almost like they did break away from like Woody Buzz in the gang a little bit. But I think the the characters that they chose to focus on and the stories that they in the arcs they chose to focus on aren't really satisfying. and i and I think that it is at the detriment of some characters that. You know, it's been twenty five years uh, I know, since yeah. you know of Toy Story, where we all know these characters, and like, you know, you you have things like the the insecurities of Rex um, that are you know a well trodden joke that works every time, or uh, you know the relationship of Ham uh, as as kind of like the sarcastic. Um, commentary type thing or, or even like Jesse who became a great character who was a great, I mean the breakout character of Toy Story 2 and having a big uh, like, like to see even Jesse be put on the back burner is just very weird to me.
1: Look, it feels, it feels like, uh, like I mentioned that, that, that there's not a real story to tell with the arc of all of these toys, but they, they wanted a nice wrap up for Woody for whatever reason. And I, I I don't necessarily buy into this being, you know, uh, the way that toy would have ended his, you know, his journey as a, as a child's plaything. But it, it, you know, I, I don't, I just feel like it's, I don't feel like it's, uh, doesn't have a reason to exist, but I feel like it's totally skippable if you want it to, you know, when it comes to this whole story, like it ended with three, this is just icing on the cake. You know, this is like a, I, yeah. a sequel. This is really a sequel that no one really asked for, and I don't think it's bad by any stretch. But like you said, the cracks are showing, and it doesn't really justify itself beyond a way to spend two hours with something you liked.
0: Before, I, yeah, I agree. Um, and and I wish, and I wish that it, I wish that it did a little bit more. And again, I, I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed watching it, but. It, it it almost I think you describing it as an epilogue is a great version like it, it like maybe it felt like a little like a like a made for TV quality um and not necessarily <sighs> part of that or like a spinoff or like a reunion show or it's like something
1: or like a uh what did they call those backdoor pilots?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great that's yeah so like, like it feels like a backdoor pilot to like the next chapter of Woody. Where you get to see Woody move on to the next, uh, to the next chapter with Bo Peep and and like his story involving those and introducing new characters, and then you have those characters that you've known for twenty five years who just pop in every so often or every once in a while. As <laughs> a special guest
1: star. to, yeah. to a, a round of studio <laughs> audience applause. That's what
0: it is. Buzz Lightyear is a very special guest uh, in this <laughs> in Toy Story Four. It's and it just kind of look. I mean, again, it sucks
1: to see Buzz reduced to that. Um, do you think – um, this is a conspiracy theory I've seen. Do you think it's because of Tim Allen's uh, outspoken political points you, of view? You know
0: what's funny about that is that I had an interaction on Twitter with Matt Zoller Zeitz um, yeah. about that very thing. He had, he had posted a, a tweet about um, – he was like, let me know if I'm imagining things or if the movie is perhaps a bit too obviously smitten with Bo Peep. And and I and I replied and I said I agree and feel like the movie suffers just a bit from making Buzz a peripheral one joke character. And then he replied with, you know, I wonder if that's some kind of extra dramatic reaction to Tim Allen's, as he said, asshat behavior off screen. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, maybe I I don't I don't know I don't think so. Um, yeah. But uh, there there has to be some explanation for why Buzz was, and it's noticeable. Like it's not something where. Um like you're you're sitting there I was I sat there in the movie watching it wonder like thinking in my head like where is Buzz like where like why is why is Buzz getting one joke and and not a particularly great joke um to run through this whole movie um yeah it's yeah, the fir- I, like I said it's the first sign of cracks that you see in the story and the in the f- franchise again I think that it it's it's good I enjoyed it um it's not it's it, but it's very like um it it's not it's certainly not the best of the series that's for did, sure.
1: Did you ever see any of those Toy Story shorts that came out after Toy Story 3?
0: I did and and I really liked um I I think the it, it was uh there were two that were really good. There was the Toy Story that Time Forgot that I think was really good and then Toy Story of Terror was pretty good too.
1: That is that the one with the like the kids meal toy? Yes, I believe it is. I loved that one. That one was wonderful, um, and I, I feel like that's, you know, where the the story should have continued and things like that. Because I I don't know that there was necessarily a big need to to give a finale to to Woody, because uh, you know it just it just kind of begs the question, and I think the movie kind of acknowledges it a little bit, like like they were they were like acting as if Bonnie was going to be the savior for all of these toys. And it seems weird that like these kids just keep having new toys show up. Yeah. Like without the parents bringing them home. And, and it also is another one that was like, as the toys were as blatantly alive in front of people as they've ever been. I think it's, it's one of the first times that they've like walked about in the middle of people being around like at the carnival scenes.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. And I I was talking with Kiko about this too. Rewatching them, it's kind of weird that um, uh, because so uh, Kiko was t- saying that he didn't like the the. There's a gag where one of the toys uh serves as a GPS, uh, and it's it's one of the rare. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know if you remember this, but in Toy Story one, the first one, the way that they get out of that whole thing is that the toys come to life. And they speak, and um, and like Woody starts saying specific things to Sid, and then like actually talks to him. Oh yes, I remember that now. And then that's never ever like, and then they go out of their way to show them going limp and back into toy mode when adults or humans come around. And I always thought that that was a, I, I noticed that more as being like, oh, this is a weird thing that like it's it's in the canon that they can do this, but then they go out of their way to not do that. And then this brings back the idea that the humans can hear the toys if
1: they speak or whatever. Well, I thought that was always the thing. I thought that I didn't think it was like a, um, (laughs) for lack of a better, uh, comparison, the, the Stewie thing on family guy. Oh yeah. How it used to be that like he, he was just, his thoughts were only, you know, known to the dog. But, uh, I, I I don't know. I, I, I thought, I always thought it was like they had to hide because they were alive and they were really alive I don't know. I, I, it's it's complicated now that, that that they've muddied the waters a little bit. But uh, I, again, I I've, I do feel like we're trashing it a lot. But I, I did enjoy the movie quite a bit. It's not. It didn't make me cry like the other ones did, or didn't didn't emotionally affect me as the other ones did. Mm-hmm. And it, that's kind of surprising to me that it didn't. And I don't know if maybe uh, if Pixar's kind of lost its touch, or if it's just. Um, just not as good as it the old ones or maybe I've aged out of it I
0: don't know. I don't that's a good question because I I feel like Pixar was in a big time creative rut and I feel like the last few years um has been a lot
1: better um especially with um oh I mean Coco was uh probably the last time and that wasn't even that long ago that it, yeah. it was just like, holy shit, they really know how to hit you right in the gut.
0: Coco know? was the big return to form. I loved Finding Dory, but I think that was because that movie was very, very funny to me. And, and I think still the funniest Pixar movie, in my opinion. Which one, one thing that you pointed out, too, just to shower a little bit of praise on here, was that I, you feel like this is one of the funnier, if not the funniest, Pixar movie?
1: Uh, or at least Toy Story movie, for oh, sure. Oh, for sure it's the funniest Toy Story movie. Uh, I, I, Again... You mentioned uh, 3 being really funny. I haven't watched it in t- several years, so I can't adequately speak on that. But I thought the Key and peel stuff um, in the middle of the film and, and just those characters in general were pretty pretty damn funny. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Forky stuff, again, that was really funny. And uh, there's always something in one of these movies that uh, just astounds me with the animation quality. Yeah, And I think uh, the Forky... forky's pipe cleaner arms Mm -hmm. got me every single time they were amazing to watch and then there's like a a scene where he reaches in to comfort someone Mm -hmm. and and there's that like jittery pipe cleaner arm and it would just it just floored me
0: man that's how i felt uh in toy story 3 um when uh, Mr. Potato Head replaces his body with a tortilla. tortilla. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's such a great gag, <laughs> and it, it's never not funny in that movie.
1: Oh, and uh, um, at the beginning of this last one, too, with uh, the scene where the the remote-controlled car is... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That I mean, the pathos that, that the animators could derive from a fucking remote-controlled car that doesn't have a face... Being stuck in a drainage ditch in the middle of a a rainstorm Mm -hmm. was incredible. I mean, the animation is incredible. And one of my all-time favorites, and I I need to go back and watch how it still holds up, but the uh, Woody's Roundup TV footage from Toy Story 2, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 20 years old now. But when I watched that, I was like, this is real. Like, they really shot dolls for this. And no, they didn't. It was just amazingly animated. And that's one of the things you can always kind of look forward to. I think in these Toy Story movies is where they really showcase something. Uh, but you know, story wise, I I was disappointed, not to the point where I didn't like the movie, but you know, as far as these Toy Story movies go, I think it's probably the weakest or one of the weakest. Anyway, what's your what, let's let what's before we do that? We had rankings for this. Yeah, I think they were the same.
0: Yeah, so I would say so. Uh, my rankings would be. In order of best to worst, uh, three, two, four, and
1: one would be my order. I think that's probably accurate for my t- for my uh, point from my point of view as well. I don't think one is a bad movie. I think it's. Just, I don't either. They're all good. It's pretty surface level, like you said. But yeah, I think uh, that's pretty pretty spot on. What's your grade for Toy Story Four?
0: I feel like I would give it a uh, man. I was. I, th- I th- when I walked out I was thinking B, but the more I talk about it I'm thinking maybe B minus.
1: I'm I'm at a, a firm B. That's that's what I was when I walked out and that's what I'm gonna stick with it. It I liked it. I had a lot of fun, but it wasn't the kind of transcendent experience I expected from a Toy Story movie. And you know I did go into it, admittedly, wondering if it had a reason to exist. And I I mean it's it was a fine way to spend two hours. You know with with characters you. Loved, or at least one or two characters that you used to love, but
0: like I think, like we've been saying, I I, I, I think that it it suffers greatly from t- from taking really good characters that are established and and like putting them on the shelf for most of the movie. Yeah, and in particular, Buzz. I think they do Buzz a disservice in this movie, and I couldn't help but notice that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that was you know that's the whole point of Toy Story was he he was the one that that kicked off this whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Woody's kind of been the voice of reason the whole time and evolved into this sort of leader caretaker role that you see in in this fourth film. But to to sideline Buzz so much for uh, the Bo Peep arc that I wasn't terribly, uh, a terribly big fan of. And look, I I don't have anything against the character. I think Annie Potts is great. I -hmm. think it's great that they brought Annie Potts back to do it because it's weird. It's weird to think about how like. You look at the cast of Toy Story, the original Toy Story, and how rooted in the 90s it is. Like, 1995 Tim Allen was sure as hell a lot more powerful than 2019 Tim Allen in the mm-hmm. entertainment industry. And, uh, you know, John Ratzenberger had just wrapped up Cheers and um, uh, other stuff like that. Like, some of the people that voice, mean, like, the guy that vo- – uh, uh, Jim Varney voiced Slinky Dog, and he's been dead for 20 years. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, and I think it changed to the guy who was who's like part of the uh, the Adam First, Sandler yeah, game. Yeah,
1: um, the old, I can't remember the guy's name, but the old guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's he barely does anything anymore. But, well, and,
0: and uh, like they have a couple of like canned lines from Don Rickles
1: too in this one. Oh yeah, because Don Rickles died a couple years ago, and uh, um, uh, Robert Goulet had that was voiced that penguin in Toy Story two. Oh yeah, he's been dead a while. It, it's it's it's. It's weird to think about how different it is now in, in that respect. It's like The Simpsons where people grow, grew old and died voicing characters on that show. Yeah, 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 for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, so I, I don't know. I I feel like we won't see another one. I, I really – I think we were going good with having – with checking in on these characters every few years at a short for Pixar or a TV special like they did with Toy Story of Terror. And I kind of wish they would have kept doing that than maybe making this movie um, cause I felt like they were going in a really interesting direction. Like, Hey, every, every couple years, let's check, or even once a year, let's check in with Woody buzz and the gang and see what's well, yeah, going like a, on. A little
1: compact adventure, you know, to something that's funny, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think this was necessary. I, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's not a bad movie, but th- it's reason to exist is still kind of suspect to me. Yeah, I I agree. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Next up. Spider-Man: Far From Home. That's actually in uh, uh, July second release, but it's really the only big release coming out uh, uh, between now and then. So, yeah.
0: Uh, which I, I, you know, again, early reviews, effusive praise, blah blah blah. We always see this. <laughs> um, I hope that it's great. I loved Homecoming. Um, yes, and I think I love Tom Holland in the role, um, and I feel like he's the best. Just based on what we've seen so far, he's the best uh, Peter Parker that we've seen. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, but I'm going in a little bit guarded.
1: Yeah, you, those we've talked, we probably talked about this on the show, but those early reviews for comic book films are always a little super effusive. Um, you know, I, this is the first Marvel film after Endgame, so we'll see what what that has uh the what you know the the world after that is is what this is really offering more so than a spider-man adventure i feel like Mm -hmm. but uh who knows Uh, i i'm i'm uh really interested to see uh, how jake gyllenhaal works as mysterio Mm -hmm. which i've which
0: i've heard uh on these early reviews that it's one of the best parts of the movie it was his performance but
1: well then uh, speaking of Marvel movies, you can check out our other podcast, Re-MCU. Uh, we just released episode three on Iron Man 2. That's a lot of numbers. It makes it confusing, but it's the, uh, third, it's the third film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You and I talked about Iron Man 2 and, uh, kind of determined that we, uh, we, it may get a bad rap, that it doesn't deserve. Yeah, surprisingly so. I was
0: pleasantly surprised while watching the movie. At, at, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of stuff that does not work at all, but, uh, yeah. it is, it is it. It's a, it's a bit more rich than I than I initially gave it credit for.
1: Yeah, so uh, you can go find that on uh, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, anywhere else you find podcasts. Please, 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 if you uh, download it from iTunes, leave us a, a five-star review and a rating so that way more people can see the podcast. We've uh, we've got some stuff planned for that. We're, uh, of course, tackling Thor next. We're going in, in the order of release for Marvel Cinematic Universe films, not any kind of timeline, mm-hmm. uh, because that would be weird and confusing. And uh, we have some other stuff in the pipeline uh, for when we run out of those movies that we've been thinking about. But again, that's called ReMCU. That's available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, anything else before we head out of here,
0: Cody? No, I don't think so. We are firmly in summer movie season, so um, it'll be very interesting to see um, how this goes, because I, I there's it's kind of grim, and I feel like so far... Um, outside of toy story three it's been kind of a dud season especially with the terrible reviews for like men in black and um yeah and godzilla and things like that so
1: yeah yeah all right on that note i'm jared kingery
0: and i'm cody Viafania. thank you for listening to the cine snob podcast
1: to read reviews interviews and more visit cinesnob.net. see you next week